Hi there, and welcome to our Support and Parents and Carers podcast. This podcast is all about providing advice and support to parents and carers of children and young people with special educational needs. And for those of us who do join us, I really hope you do find the information provided useful. My name is Claire Boyle. I'm the events manager for Witherslack Group, and I'll be hosting today's session, which will focus on something which I think we would all like more of, and that is sleep. Um, As a parent of four children aged between two and seven, sleep can be fairly hit and miss in our house. And so I've been super excited to hold this podcast and hopefully find out some hints and tips so that the Boyle house can sleep a little bit more soundly. Um, And so I'm delighted to welcome our expert speaker today. We have Lisa Rudge, who is part of the therapies team for the ADHD Foundation, a fantastic new neurodiversity charity based in Liverpool. So welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Um, and now I know I've given a little bit of an introduction there but before we continue on with our questions would you like to say a little bit about yourself and tell us about your work oh thank you so much for that lovely intro there um so yes I'm Lisa Rudge I am part of the therapies team at ADHD Foundation I also offer um parenting support through our um psychoeducative webinar series um so I have lots of involvement with our parents and carers and sleep is something that everybody's always yeah, really really absolutely. excited to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah um, wonderful well that's great so thank you ever so much so now we'll move on to to our questions that we're going to get through today so to start with why is sleep so important to us and why do we need why do we want more of it why do we need it do you know what loads of people say to me Claire loads of people say oh hey sleep something I'll do when I'm bored I'm too busy to <laughs> yeah. sleep or too much to do to sleep but actually sleep is really really important for us yeah. you know yourself how how do you feel after a poor night's sleep Oof, you feel yeah. you know really sluggish you might be snappy okay. you might be really low mood yeah you're certainly not going to do the best of your work Sleep is really, really important for us. Humans spend about a third of their life sleeping. It's really important. Um, it's essential. It allows our body and our mind to recharge and make us feel refreshed and well again. Without sleep, our brains just can't function properly. So, you know, our sleep's broken down into different pieces. So, for example, our deep sleep helps our growing, our healings, fighting off infections and all of that. Our dream sleep, our REM sleep, just things like consolidates the learning we do during the day, helping us make sense of our emotions. So sleep is really, really important to us. Brilliant. Okay, well, what a great start. So, so moving on, and I know this must vary from primary age children through to secondary, and of course, for us adults as well. But, you know, how much is enough sleep? What's the ideal amount for us to be getting? Oh, none of us get enough sleep in that no, way, no. All yeah. of us will say, oh, never. Yeah. If we're looking at um, the guidelines from the National Sleep Foundation, mm. the guidelines that they give is babies up until about a year, need 12 to 15 hours sleep. And that will be included in naps as well. Right. Under fives need between 10 and 13 hours. Um, between six and 12, we're looking at like nine to 11 hours sleep. For 13 years and over, 
eight to ten hours sleep. So that's right up to age eighteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And adults over eighteen, we should be getting between seven and nine hours sleep a night. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? That's, oh, yeah, wouldn't <laughs> it? So that's according to the National Sleep Foundation. Right, okay. Now, children and young people, and indeed adults, with neurodevelopmental conditions, such as ADHD and ASD, typically have sleep difficulties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's thought that Young people with neurodiversity sleep around about 45 minutes less than their peers on average. Right, okay. And that can have a big impact on us. With those with neurodiversity, again, there's there's an increased prevalence of sleep disorders, including things like sleep apnea and restless legs as well, which might further impact on our ability to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Okay, so this is something we hear an awful lot about, isn't it? It's like good routines, good sleep routines, good school routines. So can you tell us a little bit like what a good sleep routine might look like and how this should be adapted for children and young people with autism or ADHD or or, or other needs as well? Okay, so routine is essential and it's a key word here. And as well as the nighttime routine, our good sleep hygiene should start with thinking about right across the day. So, for example, during the daytime, we need to spend time outside. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of resets our body clock. You know, another word for our body clock, circadian rhythms, you might hear said. But the daylight resets that. It helps us suppress the the sleepy type of hormones mm-hmm. during the day you know to be able to use them during the night so time outside really important exercise is really important during the day earlier in the day is is best and to avoid napping during the day yeah so then you know looking at as the day's going on like late afternoon after school so if we can make sure we stick to a routine then, so for example, you do your homework, you organise your bag for the next day, you eat early enough to digest your food. Right, so that's okay. really important yeah. as well, because that will have an impact on our ability to sleep. Have you ever been to, to bed on a, on a full stomach? And yeah, how awkward that, you know? Yeah. So that can really impact our ability to sleep. So make sure you have your evening meal early enough to digest. Avoid caffeine. Yeah. Any time after lunchtime, avoid foods nice. and drinks that contain caffeine. So all of these are the build-up, you know, mm-hmm. to our, our nighttime routine. So, okay, at nighttime, at least an hour before we want to go to sleep. That's ideally when we should start our bedtime routine. So we'll perhaps switch off all our gadgets, switch off TV, do something nice and calming to Mm -hmm. wind down. That might be reading, it might be puzzles or Lego, it could be drawing or painting. Lots of low level activities Mm -hmm. there, low intensity activities. Then perhaps, you know, go and get washed, showered, bath, whichever people prefer, jammers on. Sometimes a snack is needed okay during bedtime routines and um, to avoid hunger pangs during the night mm-hmm. possibly reading so again 
activities are low level, you know, low intensity, yeah. um, relaxing activities, and then we'd be ready to go off to sleep. Go to bed. So that's what that's what we generally advise for everybody to be able yeah. to do. But for those with neurodevelopmental conditions, sometimes they need a little bit of extra put into them. Mm-hmm. Often those with conditions such as ADHD and ASD might find it harder to sleep and to actually fall asleep. Fall asleep, with. yeah. They may have trouble staying asleep and they may be resistant to bedtime. Yeah. And that could be for lots of different reasons. The Sheffield Children's Hospital did a study in conjunction with the Sleep Charity in 2018 and the behaviour report that they they published said that behavioural interventions, Mm -hmm. which literally means just changing the way we do things, these types of interventions can result in substantial improvements in sleep. For some families in their study, they actually found that just tweaking what we do could increase the amount of sleep that their child or young person got by over two hours. That's fantastic. So just by tweaking what we do. Yeah. So a good example, for example, of how we might um, adapt things for somebody Mm -hmm. who's on the autistic spectrum, for example, is explain sleep. As I said right at the start of our conversation, Claire, lots of people say to me, oh, I sleep something I'll do when when I've got nothing better Mm. to do. So to explain sleep to somebody um, with ASD, for example, can help them understand that there's a biological need for sleep. Need for That's why we do it. Yes. So that's a really good strategy to use. Social stories can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm as well explaining why we need sleep possibly reassuring children that they're safe when they're asleep yeah now for somebody who has difficulty making sense of the world knowing that actually when they go to sleep in their room alone yeah actually they're still safe and it still means their family is still in the house still here yeah parents and carers siblings whatever still around yeah. the world. So social stories can be really, really useful mm-hmm. to be able to do that for our, our children and young people. Visual supports are really, really helpful. So lots of children and families that I work with have visual timetables yes. for um, for getting ready for bed, getting into bed, and the whole sleep structure, including falling asleep and waking up in the morning. Yeah. So those visual support, it helps with transitions. And visuals are really good because they're non-judgmental. Yeah. So it's not it's not mom or dad or parent and carer saying, come on, you need to go to sleep. It's there, it's in their It's just there, table. just follow this. Yeah. yeah. So there's no there's no debate, there's no arguing back. It's there to yeah, be followed. Yeah, it's a structure. Absolutely. So that can be really helpful. Things like grow lamps lamps on timers and things like that yeah. can prompt actually when it's time to go to sleep and also when it's time to get out of yeah. bed as well um, if we can promote recognition of social cues often um, children with neurodevelopmental conditions struggle with social cues mm-hmm. so perhaps explaining the social cues of drawing the blinds drawing the curtains yeah. 
um, brushing your teeth and getting your pyjamas on. Explain those social cues so um, our, our children young people know what to expect when that's happening. Consider our sensory environment. Yeah, now, those absolutely. of us who have sensory sensitivities during the day will absolutely have the same sensory sensitivities yeah. during the night. So have a look to see whether there's any unwanted stimuli mm-hmm. in the environment, whether that's in our clothing, our bedding, our bedroom on the whole. Um, putting techniques in such as relaxation, mindfulness, mindful yeah. breathing. So in that wind down um, to, to bedtime, and I'd said before about low intensity um, activities, things like you know regular deep breathing and you know gentle massage or gentle yoga activities can be really really good. And I would suggest keeping a sleep diary as well. Yes, lots yeah. of us might say, well, actually, there's difficulty with sleep, but what are those difficulties? What is it? Yes, how often really does it happen? Idea. Yeah, how common is you know how many times during the night do we wake up? How many nights a week do we have difficulties? Yeah, so a sleep diary is really, really good way of of teasing out where the difficulties might mm-hmm. lie and gives us that evidence base then to be able to tweak things and change things or even ask for advice from the professionals yeah brilliant that's some great stuff there i might try that sleep diary i think for my twin boys i think um that sounds like a really good idea so on to our next question so when we talk about sleep um and i hope i'm going to say this word right you might hear people mention melatonin did you get it right you sure did right (laughs) Um, so can you talk us through what it is why we need it and why it might be prescribed for some people as well okay so melatonin is um a hormone that we make ourselves naturally yeah it's our nighttime hormone so during the day i'd said about getting plenty of fresh air and Mm -hmm. access to daylight because that access to daylight suppresses the melatonin in our bodies during the day. Right. To be able to ramp up during the night, because that's when we need it. So our, our hormones, um, melatonin being our nighttime hormone, and yeah. cortisol, our daytime hormone, and they're on a balance. So one will be high while the other's low, and the other's low and while the other's high. Right, okay. And that, that dictates our our sleep-wake cycle. Yeah. So melatonin is really, really important to set our sleep-wake cycle. So our production of melatonin is influenced by that light and dark yeah. change. Um, it's also influenced by our digestion. Do you remember before it said about eating yeah. early enough mm-hmm. in the day to digest your food properly? Yeah. Our hormones, our body temperature and our blood pressure can also impact right. when we make the melatonin. And they're controlled by our pineal gland. Um, so again, it's prompted by darkness and okay. some of those other factors as well. Teenagers seem to make melatonin later in the evening than children or even us as adults. During teenage years, our brains go over a big overhaul in the same way as we have a huge growth in our brains when we're toddlers. We have the same huge growth in our teenage years. And somehow this has tweaked our ability to make melatonin. I just go back 
it does go right. back and follow the same pattern in adulthood but in teenage mm-hmm. years we find that um, we start to produce melatonin later in the evening so our teenagers are often not feeling sleepy yeah. until much later on <laughs> yeah. and then we have trouble getting them up of a morning yeah and that's although that might be problematic for us mm-hmm. as parents and for us getting them up and ready for school the next morning yeah that's actually quite normal. natural that, yeah. that's normal for, for teenagers so some people have prescribed melatonin or circadin right okay so circadin's a, a synthetic version of melatonin so okay you know in in the uk we can be prescribed both mm-hmm. um Anecdotally, I've heard that circadin is cheaper to right. produce, so perhaps that that's more common to be um, okay to to be prescribed. But here in the UK, it has to be prescribed. Yeah. In the states, for example, uh, melatonin's sold as a dietary supplement. Right. However, here it, it's classed as um, as medical and as such yeah. must be prescribed. So those with a higher prevalence of sleep difficulties Mm -hmm. may well be prescribed melatonin. There are side effects to to melatonin in the same way as side effects to to anything at all. Mm -hmm. So the side effects could include daytime drowsiness, a little bit of dizziness, sometimes some headaches. But side effects are not very common. Yeah. Yeah, very common. So like I said, you know, it's a hormone we make ourselves, but mm-hmm. we can have some synthetic help by way of prescribed yeah, melatonin. Yeah. So certain foods that we eat boost our natural production right, of melatonin. Okay. So anything that contains tryptophan, which is an amino acid... Um, so it's found in things like dairy. I was going to say, what what can we find this in? Yeah, <laughs> you know all of those those old wives' tales about you know having a glass of milk yeah. before bed. Yeah. But actually, there's some truth in <laughs> there's that. There's a little, yeah. <laughs> because there's something there. <laughs> absolutely, dairy. So so milk and yogurt and things right, like that. Okay. Whole grains, um, poultry, fish, beans. Yeah. These all contain tryptophan. Right, okay. And tryptophan, like I said, it's an amino acid. When we ingest it, it turns to serotonin, which is one of okay. our feel good yeah, yeah. Um, neurotransmitters. But then that's then converted to melatonin. Right. Which, as okay. we now know, helps us. Sleep. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Brilliant. Great stuff. Okay, so on to our, on to our next question now. So, um,. You know, when you think about sleeping and issues that people might have, you know, smartphones and gadgets and things like that do come up. So can you talk us through some of the issues um, that smartphones and gadgets may create before bed? Okay. And there's plenty of them. Yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) There is plenty of them. I'm sure we've all done it. If we have our smartphone at the side of us and we can't sleep, you're straight on it, aren't you? Yeah. Or even even if it's just to check the time. And we check the time. And then we check the time again. And we check the time again. Just by doing that, that can have a detrimental effect Amazing, on it? our sleep. Yeah. So checking, like, time watching, you know, clock mm-hmm. watching. Clock watching. Can cause anxiety. You know, sleep anxiety. And the more we think, oh, flipping heck, I've only got, you know... 
I've only got five hours left. I've only got four hours oh, yeah, left. I've only yeah, got three absolutely. hours left. Yeah. So that in itself will impact our ability mm-hmm. to fall back off asleep again. You know, so that's one issue. Another issue is that it's so accessible. If we have technology in our bedrooms, which, you know, most of our young people, our teenagers, yeah. certainly yours as adults, have it there ready. And we can access technology 24 hours a day. I know. So sometimes, because it's so easily accessible, that can impact our sleep. Oh, I'll just have one I'll more just game. Check. Yeah. I'll just check social media. Mm-hmm. I'll just text my friend. I'll just look at that TikTok. Yeah. So the fact that it's always there will impact our ability to sleep. It stops our brains switching off. Yeah. You know... So, you know, all of that busyness in our brain, it stops us switching off to be able to relax in order to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Now, there's another issue with our technology as well. And that's an issue with blue light. Okay. Okay, So blue light is is the type of light emitted from our gadgets, whether that's Mm -hmm. our phones, our iPads, our screens. And although it doesn't look blue... To our, no. to our eyes. Yeah. It's on, you know, light's a spectrum, isn't it? If you shine mm-hmm. if you shine a torch through a little glass, yeah. you're likely to have a lovely little rainbow, yeah. aren't you? So the, the light that comes from our gadgets is towards the blue end of that right. spectrum. And what that does is mimics daylight. Okay. And as we now know, yeah. when it's daylight, our brains don't make melatonin. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens with like our gadgets. Yeah. That's it. It goes hang about, we're still daylight, yeah. we don't yeah. need melatonin. Mm-hmm. So then it's harder for us to sleep. Okay, um, again, this is something that might come in handy for me now. So have you got um, any soothing strategies for preschool children who are still struggling to get themselves off to sleep? Okay. Going to come back to that word again, routine. Yeah, routine okay. is so, mm-hmm. so important. So I know, you know, we, we've just had a half term and it's, yeah, it's tempting. Yeah, everything flips on its head, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, it's tempting of like school holidays and weekends. So, oh, yeah, I'd stay up later. Yeah. You know, and it's all right because you stay up later and we can sleep in tomorrow. So it just sets everything and it seems like a good idea at the time but then it sets you off for when you're getting them back up for school yeah I think we've just done that last week I think yeah Um, and and the impact is huge on us isn't it it is yeah Mm -hmm. and it takes us perhaps half a week to get back into the routine yeah and then we've got a weekend again yeah you know so routine really is key and maybe slight flexibility you know sleep in a little bit longer of a morning and go to bed slightly later but, you know, think about the parameters of that and as much as possible, stick to routines. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that that's really, you know, in families that I work with, certainly, for our preschoolers, um, they need reassurance. Yeah. You know, and it might be that they're shouting for, for parents and carers, you know, every half an hour, you know. It might be, I need a wee, I need a drink. I need a story. All those things. I need a cuddle. Bedtime, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And often it's just for that reassurance because mm-hmm. when 
when you're a small child, when your parent or carer disappears, often there's that anxiety, that separation anxiety, that panic mm-hmm. of where are they? Are they coming yeah. back? Yeah. So if we can help reassure, it might be that we use um, object permeance for, for those. So it might be that parent carers give give a teddy bear a special teddy cuddle or something at yeah. the side. And that, that type of strategy mm-hmm. can often work really well. So that's just something to be aware of because the more time we spend in, you know, so... For example, when we lie next to our child to fall asleep, yeah, you know, when we move away and they wake they up, they know you're likely. gone. Then, yeah. So that reassurance, but not not being there with them permanently, mm-hmm. you know, coming away. So you know, you could put your child to bed and say, "I will check on you in half an hour." Yeah. Make yeah. sure you do. They know check you're going to come back in half yeah. an hour, so they know that you're going to be yeah. back. Setting clear limits is really, really important. You know, as mum to um, small children yourself, I can guarantee that somewhere along the line was, oh, go on, mum, another story. Can I have another story? Weekly, weekly, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So setting clear limits, Mm -hmm. okay, we're having one story, Yeah. then you're going to bed. And outlining it and saying that before you probably started doing the story, yeah. So literally setting out what's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, then we're going to... When and then... When and then's a little bit of magic. When we've done this, then we're going to do that. Yeah. When we've had this story, then it's time for bed. Mm -hmm. So setting those clear limits is really important to our little ones. Keeping interaction to a minimum once we've said our good night, you know, once Sounds, we've settled yeah. our child, give a, a good night kiss, left the room. Keep interactions to a minimum. So keep the lights nice and low. Mm-hmm. If, if a light's needed, you know, maybe a night light. Um, keep the night the, the lights yeah. nice and low. And if we do need to go in to settle our child, do it with as little fuss as possible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, some great stuff there. Um, okay, so next question. Um, and I'm sure that this is something that has probably affected many families over the last year with all the sort of chaos that's been going around us all with the pandemic and whatnot. But um, how, how can we help children who may have disrupted sleep patterns, you know, with lots of night waking and possibly even nightmares and things like that? Okay, sleep routine. Yeah, really, keeps really coming back to the routine. Coming back to the routine yeah. time and time again. If you can go to bed at the same time each evening yeah. and get up at the same time each morning. Often stress, beg your pardon, often sleep difficulties are stress related as well. Yeah. Could be worries over schoolwork, mm. over friendships or peer groups, uh, relationships. Um, and if you're, if you're anxious at bedtime, yeah. stands to reason that you're going to have difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the work that I do with, with young people at the moment is um, strategies around that, that nighttime anxiety. So yeah. perhaps get used to writing down your anxieties or worries telling them to a family member even somehow externalizing yeah. those worries yeah 
You know, I know lots of people who use the likes of worry boxes mm-hmm. to put their worries in. I know little children, perhaps, who use worry eaters. You know, those. Right. Uh, have you come across them at all? Worry Not eaters? yet. They're like the like um, they're like monster teddy bears with perhaps okay. a zip in their mouth, where you put the worry inside and zip it over, and that takes out. Worry okay. Away. Yeah. What a wonderful idea, yeah, so, great. You know, there's loads of strategies like yeah. that, but the idea, whether it's for little children using strategies or whether it's, you know, older teens or even us as adults mm-hmm. to externalise those worries yeah. and anxieties first, you know, to help us sleep. Um, to do that, you know, it helps us clear our mind. And I'm not just talking about worries. It could just be, you know, things to do as yeah. well. You know, oh, tomorrow I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. If we can write them down, it offloads them. It frees up our mind to be able to go to sleep. Again, um, disrupted sleep patterns, night waking, things like that. Have a look at the environment. What's going on in the environment? Yeah. So, again, if we have sensory sensitivity during the day, we're Mm -hmm. going to have those same during the night. So what are our, our bed clothes like? You know, what's our bed linen like? Yeah. Is there too much light coming through the curtains or the blinds? How warm is our bedroom? Yeah. That, that's one that, you know, quite often. So believe it or not, you might want to set your living room at maybe 20 degrees, 21 degrees to be nice and, you know, warm. Actually, your bedroom should be around, what, 18 or 19 degrees. Right, okay, So it should yeah. be those couple of degrees cooler. Um, hunger and thirst quite often impact our ability to sleep. So in the same way as I'd said, not to eat too late. Yeah. It's important not to go to bed hungry as well because yeah, that will yeah. wake up. Just get the right balance for it. Yeah. So if we're finding that we're waking up because of hunger, we'll maybe a small snack mm-hmm. before bed. When we sleep, we don't just fall asleep, have a big, long sleep and wake up in the morning. We have lots of sleep cycles within that. Each of the cycles are around about 90 minutes long. So what we find is people who are waking commonly in the night might be waking at the same stage within these sleep cycles. Right, okay. So, for example, our light sleep, we're still aware of everything around yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Now, I always give the example, um, imagine you're at home, you've had your Sunday lunch, you're nice and full because you've eaten trifle and everything, yeah. after it. you sit on the chair to watch, I don't know, whatever sport, yeah? Yeah. The kids want to watch the Disney film on the other side, but you, you've, you've got sport on or James yeah. Bond or whatever it is. And because we've got a nice full tummy, we doze off, don't we? You know, <laughs> kids creep over, get the remote control, turn over. What yeah, do we standard, do? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. I was watching that. I was watching that with yeah. the eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that's because even though we may have been asleep, we're in that light yeah. sleep. We're aware of our surroundings. So yeah. if you think of our children and young people when they're asleep and they go into the light sleep part of their sleep cycle, mm-hmm. anything that's going on in the house. Noise in the house and things like that, yeah. So it could be sharing bedrooms with siblings. It could be that actually, you know, at a certain time every night, um, you know, one of the parents comes in from a night shift. Yeah. You know, lots of things can Mm -hmm. impact. So 
again, this is where sleep diaries can come in really, really handy because it pinpoints exactly what the where, issue might yeah, be. where and when. So that can be, you know, a, a good thing to look at. Um, so, like, considering our environment, you know, whether we've got those gadgets in our rooms that yeah. could be disrupt- disrupting us, mm-hmm. waking us up. What about closet bedrooms? That can impact yeah. our sleep as well. Be- and I'm not just talking about cluttered being untidy. Busy bedrooms mm-hmm. can impact our sleep. Right, when, my, okay. when one of my sons was younger, he wanted a, a football bedroom. Yeah. So we did the football bedroom as fabulous as we could even yeah. imagine. And he loved it. Could he sleep in there? No. Not a it's chance. Far too it exciting. Too, that's it, it was too busy. Yeah. So yeah. even when he did drop off to sleep... When he opened his eyes, you know, whether that's hot, yeah. it was too exciting, it was too stimulating. Mm-hmm. So that's something else that might impact right. our ability to, to sleep. You mentioned before nightmares. Yeah. Okay, so nightmares, um, they occur in our dream sleep. Right. So like I said, our, our sleep is made up of lots of different cycles. Yeah. And our dream sleep is where these happen. Nightmares are really, really common mm. in little children. So up until the age of six or seven, they're really, really common anyway. Yeah. Um, and most children do grow out of it. But we all know from time to time we have the odd bad dream, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So nightmares usually occur later in the night and cause us, you know, lots of, of feelings of terror and distress. Yeah. So if our children wake up from nightmares, they'd be able to describe that dream, that, that nightmare to you because mm-hmm. it's in that dream sleep, that right, already okay, sleep. Yeah. So an idea perhaps might be is once we've calmed our child down to ask them whether there's anything worrying them, you know. Yeah. And perhaps by looking at any worries or anxieties they may have can give us clues as to why they may be having bad dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that our children have a relaxing run up to bedtime yeah. is a way that we can help, you know, reduce the amount of yeah, bad dreams. Keep them at bay. So again, you know, when I was speaking before about the nighttime routine, building in time for something relaxing, mm-hmm. you know, okay. getting those, you know, nice thoughts in our head rather than yeah. the busyness and the, the worries of the day. So that can often help. Night terrors are different than nightmares. Right, okay. Nightmares happen in our dream sleep. Mm-hmm. Night terrors happen in our deep sleep. Okay. So that's why when, we're, when we wake up from a night terror, we won't remember what was scaring us because it's not within our okay. REM sleep. And again, and that's why you, you shouldn't wake a child up from a night terror Okay. Because actually that will scare them even more because more. they won't be okay. aware that they yeah. have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Night terrors usually happen in the earlier part of the night. So what I would suggest is if it's a night terror, um, don't intervene unless unless the child's unsafe. Yeah. Don't intervene. Okay. okay. Just perhaps cover them back over. Don't wake them up or anything like that. Night terrors are scary for us to watch our children go Yeah. Through. Mm-hmm. But actually, they're not going to impact our children long term. Okay. They won't remember that night terror. Yeah. So, 
there might be other things, you know, causing nightmares. Like I said, nightmares are often linked to stress and trauma. Yeah. But some other conditions can affect our sleep and can trigger, you know, nightmares and night mm-hmm. terrors. So things like sleep apnea. Okay. Restless legs and migraines. So all of these conditions are actually really common with those yeah. with neurodiversity and they do increase the risk of nightmares. Okay. Uh, nightmares and night terrors. However, the nightmares and the night terrors aren't necessarily the things to, to flag up with your GP, perhaps. But mm. if we're finding that there's, you know, lots of nightmares and night yeah. terrors, it might be worth mentioning to, you know, whether it's our um, our health visitor, school nurse or GP. Yeah. Okay. Just to make sure that there's no underlying yeah. reason why mm-hmm. our child is having lots of them. So I would suggest if there's regular nightmares or night terrors and they're affecting your child's day-to-day life, you know, yeah. seek medical yes. advice. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, that that's great. Okay, so um, we've got two more questions to, to get through during the podcast. So um, now, what about bedwetting? So have you got any support strategies to help a parent whose child is having a, a phase of bedwetting? Okay, so... Bed wetting can have lots of different causes. Yeah. Okay, so too many drinks before bedtime, you know, primary yeah. cause. Not emptying your bladder before bed, so, you know, not going for a wee before, you know, yeah. tucked in and that. Anxiety mm. can impact bed wetting. So can constipation, believe it right. or not. Okay. So there's lots of things that can influence yeah. bed wetting, including hereditary factors, you know, passed down. If your yeah. parents wet the bed till you know, till a certain age, you know, there's a hereditary factor. Interestingly, those with ADHD are three times more likely to have um, nocturnal enuresis is the the medical right, okay. name for it. Yeah. But bedwetting, the three times okay. more likely. So mm-hmm. we do we do often come across um, mm-hmm. children with ND who wet the bed. And bedwetting can cause lots of feelings for the child or your yeah. person. Guilt and embarrassment can lead yeah. to lowest, low self-esteem. Can lead to lots of opportunities, you know, sleepovers and camps and things like yeah. that. So it can impact our children. And they're like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So to be able to, to manage as best we mm-hmm. can, some tips I'd give is perhaps increase fluid intake earlier in the day. Yeah, and, and it reduce it later yeah. at night. If we know our child, you know, has difficulties with with bedwetting, we'll make sure they have regular wees. So yeah. maybe even set an alarm every two hours. You go for Come a wee. Yeah, yeah. Even if you can only do a little tiny bit, you go for Still a wee. Still worth a try. Absolutely, and then especially making sure they go for a wee before they go to bed. Yeah. Um, have a look perhaps at. Our, our diet, our food and drinks, because certain things can be bladder irritants. So right. things like um, like fizzy drinks, um, chocolate, caffeine, right. um, citrus things, and lots of red dyes can cause bladder irritants right. as well. So if we've got things like that in our diet, yeah, yeah. that might be the reason why actually why? we're needing okay. to go to the toilet a lot. 
So if our child does have um, have difficulties in controlling mm-hmm. their bladder during the night, we will see lots of accidents. Yeah. Um, by accidents, I mean uh, lots of, of wet Yeah, beds. yes. Mm-hmm. Don't punish your child for wetting the bed would be my, my top tip. Yeah. No, it's not intended. They don't mean to do it. The more we make them feel bad about wetting the bed, the more that that will add in to any anxiety and yeah. stress yeah. and shame they have. And actually that teaches our children that, you know, it's something that they need to hide away. So we might find bedclothes stuck in wardrobes or under okay. beds yeah. or that type of thing. of course, yeah. So if we can work with our child... It might be that if they wake up and the bed's wet, we allow them to help us change the sheets. Yeah. And that's not as a punishment. That's so they feel that they're helping, helping. the situation. Yeah. You know, so it's part of the process rather than a punishment. Helps them feel that they're able to rectify it in some way. Yeah. yeah. Lots of children will grow out of, of bedwetting mm-hmm. if it carries on. I would suggest seeking um, seeking advice from you. Yeah, GP. Okay. Right then, okay, so as we close today's podcast, could you give us a, a summary, a, a good sleep habits checklist, if you will, um, and, of course, a rundown of the things that we should be avoiding as well? Okie dokie then. So if we think of it as a list of do's and don'ts. Yes, okay? yeah, yeah. So do keep a regular routine. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be sick of hearing that word from I me. Know, routine, routine, routine. <laughs> so keeping a regular routine, going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time. Yeah. Is top of my do list. Top of the list. Using visual support, you know, cues, whether that's visual timetables or other visual cues to reinforce those routines. Yeah. Often our visual work and memory works better than our verbal work and memory so lots yeah. of visuals are really good get regular exercise during the day preferably in the morning if we exercise too late it's going to invigorate our brains or stimulate us stimulate yeah. us yeah. and have the the absolute opposite effect yeah. of what we want okay so exercise each day but make sure it's e- it's early enough not to impact yeah. our sleep get out in the natural light Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier on, that resets our body clock. You know, our yeah. daytime and nighttime hormones. So get out there, have some fresh air from daylight. Keep the temperature in your bedroom nice and low. We need it 18, 19 degrees okay. rather than the nice toasty 21 degrees we yeah. might have in our yeah. living room. Keep our bedroom nice and dark as well for when, we, when we're trying to sleep. You know, draw the curtains, draw the blinds to you know take out any other light that might be interfering yeah, distractions yeah make sure our bedroom's nice and quiet and fit for purpose when we're going to sleep um i would suggest only using the bedroom to sleep if we yeah, associate right. our yeah. bedrooms with play with being really fun places that we can play and we can do this and this and this how exciting if yeah. we associate our bedrooms with places of excitement it's going to make it more difficult for us to wind down to go to sleep. Okay. Give yourself at least an hour to wind down before sleep. Um, 
and especially if we do have those worries. So our, our teens who may be thinking of homework and what have I got in the next yeah. day, all of those yeah. types of things, start that winding down. Make sure you perhaps do your list of you know, to-do for the next day to externalise that, get that get out. out. Yeah. Perhaps try some relaxation or deep breathing or something like that. And again, for our, for our teens and adults especially, if you find that you're not able to sleep, perhaps get out of bed, do something, come back to bed and try again. Try again, yeah. Don't reach for the gadgets. Don't yeah, reach yeah. for the smartphone or the iPad yeah. or anything like that. So they're all my do's. Okay, Let's have good a look list. At don't exercise just before bed because it will stimulate you it'll work yeah. you up um so in the same way don't be using any you know exciting games consoles or anything like yeah. that that will yeah. wake you up both in terms of your excitement and if you think of what we were saying before about that blue light from our yeah. gadgets don't have caffeine after lunch don't go to bed on a full stomach yeah Likewise, don't go to bed really hungry. Empty so one. perhaps yeah. have that little snack, including yeah. some of those tryptophan foods, would be great. Oh yeah. Don't nap in the day. Don't take those daytime mm. naps because that will impact your your sleep of a night. And I would say, you know, for those who are experiencing bedwetting, don't make a big deal of it mm-hmm. to the child. Yeah. Um, because that anxiety that will come from that will further impact their yeah. ability to sleep. So that, in a nutshell, is my, my do's Your and don'ts. Your do's and don'ts. <laughs> right, right. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. That was brilliant. And I know I have certainly taken plenty away from today. And I hope that our listeners um, will do as well. Um, so I'd like to say a massive thank you to Lisa for sharing her expertise and providing some really useful, positive advice. Um, and a big thank you to our listeners for joining us as well. Um, if you are listening to this, you probably are already aware of the advice and support resources on the With Slack Group website. But if not, do take a look at, at the website. It's withslackgroup.co.uk forward slash resources, um, where you can find a wide range of support materials and webinars. Um, we're hoping to do lots more of these type podcasts. So if there is a topic you would like to see us cover, please send in your thoughts or suggestions to webinars at withslackgroup.co.uk. Um, so once again thank you to Lisa our listeners and I hope you can join us for another podcast in the future bye for now